Alrighty, everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on July 17th, 2023, fresh off of a week of cat sitting. That's right, the girlfriend left, so I was entrusted with the noble task of looking after two kitties. One aged three years and one aged three months. Gotta tell you, it was an absolute delight. They could be entertained with a box or a piece of string and spent most of their time fighting each other. The only time I really had to step in was helping the little guy get rid of a dingleberry that was scaring him. Big shout out to Mr. Darcy and Little Poe if they're listening to this podcast. But you didn't come here to listen to the stories of an amateur cat wrangler. You came here to learn all about the most revealing statistics and wildest news stories in the world of energy. So let's get into it. We start out with WTI prices, which had quite the run last week. The week started out uh, at about $73 for a barrel of WTI last Monday, which is not a bad price at all. On Tuesday, it had jumped up to $75, and on Wednesday, it was just shy of $76, and Thursday topped out just slightly more than $77. This is the highest price we've seen since that spike back in April up to $80. The price has been trending relative, well, not relatively, absolutely downward for over a year now, so it's always exciting to see a spike like this. If we're lucky, we will see a flattening of that trend. If we're supremely lucky, we may even see the price start to climb over the next few weeks and months. At least for now, the price has fallen slightly from that $77 peak from Friday to present. At the writing of the script for this podcast, the price was in the mid-74s, which is still higher than a week ago, but we will have to see what this week has in store. At this point, we've been mostly disappointed for over a year, so I'll try not to get my hopes up until something nice happens. Brent experienced the same volatility, but the $5 spread we've been watching shrunk by a few dozen cents. Nothing drastic, but movement nonetheless. Topped out at more than $81 a barrel. Natural gas continues to generally roll up and down in a 30 to 50 cent range with the ever so slightly upward facing trend. It's currently at $2.5, but likely headed back up just a bit in the coming weeks. I wouldn't expect it to get past 90 nothing too crazy here. Also, I'd just like to toss in that I did see one article. I know we do news at the end, but I uh, thought it was funny. It was an article claiming that the price spike, especially in the case of Brent, was a result of Saudi Arabia. Well, an article, one single article with the headline talking about Saudi Arabia's price cuts that they will extend through 2024 or at least to 2024, and that is old news from back in June, but somehow this article claimed that that one story caused such a frenzy that the prices went up and down, and that just reminds me that, well, something I want to remind you as well, there's going to be lots of people out there saying, oh, the price went up because China's demand is up, or the price went down because of, they're going to throw out anything. A lot of the time, people don't really know, and unless there's something super significant, like, say, a war in Ukraine, yeah, that's pretty easy to attribute, but sometimes we get these little $1 to $4 spikes throughout the week, and people are going to start throwing out some crazy stuff. So just keep that in mind. Be a skeptic. Next is the rig count. We got lucky last week, and we were able to bear witness to the first positive change in months. I think actually 10 weeks, if I'm not mistaken, but it was likely all because of a spike in activity and just the Haynesville. I predicted it was not likely to last, and I hate it when I'm right, but unfortunately I was correct. The most recent rig count shows a 5-rig decrease, leaving us with a total of 675, which is 81 fewer rigs than we had this time last year. This pretty much wipes out all progress from that previous build and puts us back on track for more rig losses. 
The Permian continued to bleed away rigs as it loses five, while the Eagleford, Candlewoodford, Haynesville, and Mississippian each lost one. The only major basin that gained a rig was the Williston. This means Texas as a whole was down eight, while Oklahoma was down one. Louisiana and North Dakota both gained a rig, and New Mexico gained two. The Gulf of Mexico lost a rig. It's cool to see that some areas are finding little opportunities to throw up a few more rigs, but for the most part, things aren't looking too hot in the ENP sector, and we're losing a lot of rigs that are making directional and horizontal hole for some unconventional reserves, and I can't say I'm all too surprised. One more final statistic we have to talk about is Thirsty Thursday from last week. The featured cocktail recipe, if you can call it a cocktail, is that of a frat boy, but the data is still excellent, along with the visual aids to accompany it. I recommend you give it a peek at www.rarepetro.com. Here's the quick and dirty of what you may have missed last week. After a few weeks of pretty significant declines, we are now faced with a rather dreary build. Although the EIA predicted a half million barrel build, they were more than 10 times off from the actual result of an almost 6 million barrel build. The API faced similar difficulties in pinpointing the result, as their predicted 200,000 barrel build fell shy of the actual build of more than 3 million barrels. Despite this big build, we still have ultimately trended downward in supply since the start of March, whether or not it actually feels that way. Thanks to the SPR releases, we saw that massive spike from uh, December through February, but we are down 23,000 barrels since we peaked just a few months ago. Still lots of work to be done to get back into normal territory as we're still 36,000 barrels higher than we were this time last July, but overall, things are trending in the right direction and we can be happy about that. Gasoline prices continue to hold steady despite gasoline reaching five-year historical lows by nearly 10 million barrels. We've only just broken out recently, so I wouldn't worry about price spikes similar to the ones we saw in the summer of last year. I would, however, expect some kind of increase in price, but then again, we've been trending downward and also just outside of historical range for most of this year, and we've seen very little reaction but it is important to be careful for what you wish for, so I won't complain too much. Though I tell you what, I would be complaining if I lived in Washington State because the gas there has fallen two cents in price but still averages $4.95 for a gallon of regular. The cheapest gasoline is found in Mississippi at an average of $2.993 per gallon of regular. Ultimately, prices have increased by two and a half cents, but we'll just have to be patient to see if that trend continues. Diesel prices only increased by about a cent, but have gone down a total of five cents on the month, so definitely more good than bad. I would expect this to eventually drop in price, considering how we are beginning to stockpile distillates and work our way back towards the middle of the historical five-year range, but we're still near the bottom of that range. I wouldn't place any bets on that one yet. Propane remains higher than anticipated, given its five-year range, but not by an insane amount. Yes, records are being set, but only marginally. That wraps up our statistics, and now we get to look at some current events. The latest data from May shows that global demand was up and close to surpassing the record demand set in March of this year. According to a recent forecast from the IEA's oil market report, we are set to hit a record high demand of 102.1 million barrels per day in 2023. As many headlines often claim, they're putting the burden of China for 70% of new global gains due to increased petrochemical use, though... Many claim that China's reopening has really only touched travel and services with plenty of economic lag in other sectors, not to say that it couldn't happen. 
Surprisingly, the report continues to predict that growth will slow considerably in 2024. As the report says, quote, world oil demand is coming under pressure from the challenging economic environment, not least because of the dramatic tightening of monetary policy in many advanced and developing countries over the past 12 months, end quote. If by tightening of monetary policy they mean folks grappling with the effects of inflation in every sector and every country, they might be right. Still, people will go broke to have their energy. We are simply too entrenched in the luxuries of modern life that I think countries and their citizens would spend big on energy. Sure, it is easy to turn the lights off and conserve that, but what about AC? Heating in the winter? Refrigeration? Internet? While that doesn't bode well for the average consumer, it does bode well for the price of energy and in turn, those who work in the industry. This is probably what Saudi Arabia and Russia are trying to do with their continued production cuts, but uh, it's only because oil revenues have not exactly been as pleasing as they may have wished. So they are further restricting and already diminishing global supply. I do agree with the IEA in the sense that demand will go up, but I don't see why it would halt in 2024. If you look at a chart of global oil demand, well, up until now, it, it does dip during the pandemic and then kind of levels out through post-pandemic to now, but it's it's a very steep trend upwards that I would expect may continue, albeit delayed. The IEA's word is not gold, though, and this is just one of the many speculative reports at the end of the day, so perhaps you should just take it with a grain of salt. Next, do you remember when the EU set new gas storage goals as a response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine? It makes a lot of sense and works to secure resources for those within the EU. The next challenge, according to Japan, is to establish a global petroleum reserve. It makes sense that Japan brings this up because... <laughs> They are entirely import-dependent on natural gas. They have to import everything that they burn. They will likely push the issue at a gas conference being held in Tokyo on Tuesday of this week. Surprisingly, there is a global guidance for crude in emergency situations, assuming that folks listen and cooperate during hard times. Members of the IEA, including both Japan and the U.S., are required to hold oil stocks equivalent to at least 90 days of oil imports to be ready to distribute in a possible emergency response due to massive global supply disruptions. Now, of course, this would likely not go into effect if a war occurred, but a massive tsunami or continental earthquake may actually spur countries to participate and sell some of these emergency stocks. Japan plans to propose a similar framework for natural gas. 90 days of imports is still requires quite a bit of storage, and I don't think we could work on refilling them too aggressively because then the price would go up. But maybe I'm wrong. Prices are pretty low right now, so this could be the perfect time to start refilling inventories. Either way, it had to be brought up sooner or later. The EIA projects that natural gas could be responsible for as much as 75% of our energy generation by 2050. So it was only a matter of time before the framework of global emergency oil reserves was applied to natural gas. Regardless of what happens, be thankful that you live in a country that is on top of subterranean oceans of natural gas. It could be worse. But ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for today's episode. Thanks again for stopping by, and it is possible we may have an episode of the Wacky World of Energy available next week. It's been a few months since the last one we released, but we should be recording in the middle of this week. You may as well keep yourself entertained until the next piece of content is released, so head on over to www.rarepetro.com to find the rest of our content and some of our favorite news stories. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care everybody.